Section 44 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 8, Chapter 2, Spheres of Action, Moriscos, Part 6. The table in the appendix shows that while the activity of the Inquisition seemed to diminish somewhat after the Concordia, towards the close of the century it increased greatly, there being 291 cases in 1591 and 117 in 1592. The record furnishing these figures ends with 1592, and we have no means of ascertaining the work in the years which immediately follow, but the rigor of persecution continued. In the auto of September 5, 1604, there were 28 abjurations de levi, 49 de vehemente, 8 reconciliations, and 2 relaxations, all moriscos except a Frenchman penanced for blasphemy. In that of January 7, 1607, there appeared 33 moriscos, of whom one was relaxed, besides 6 whose cases were suspended, and in the trials torture was employed 15 times. The fluctuations in the number of cases can be accounted for by evidence occasionally enabling the tribunal to make a raid on some Morisco village when, as they were all Moors at heart, the whole community would be gathered in. Thus, in 1589 and 1590, the little settlement of Mislata, near Valencia, furnished a hundred cases, and we are told that in the town of Carlet there were 240 households that observed the fast of Ramadan. In fact, as the Moorish faith of the Moriscos was notorious, the whole population was at the mercy of the Inquisition, and the comparative moderation shown by the records may perhaps be explained by a system of secret bribery or compositions whereby immunity was purchased. The possibility of this is suggested by a case which throws considerable light upon the manner in which the inquisitorial power was exercised. The family of Don Cosme, Don Juan, and Don Hernando Abenamir of Benaguacil ranked among the first of the old Moors of Valencia. The brothers were rich and influential. They held licenses to bear arms, and Inquisitor Miranda had appointed them familiars, a position which they resigned at the instance of the Duke of Segorbe, on whose lands they dwelt, for he said that they had no need of such protection, as they had only to appeal to him if aggrieved. In May 1567, during the absence of Inquisitor Miranda, the fiscal presented to the other Inquisitor, Geronimo Manrique, a clamosa against the brothers. Their arrest was vetoed, but in view of the importance of the case, the Suprema was consulted, which confirmed the vote, and on July 1st the warrants were issued. The accused could not be found. Edicts summoning them were published, and on January 12, 1568, Don Cosme presented himself. It is his trial that has been preserved, but presumably the others took the same course, except that Don Hernando's name disappears towards the end, probably in consequence of death. At the first audience, Don Cosme said that he presumed he had been baptized when a child, yet he did not consider himself a Christian but a Moor. He had through life performed Moorish rites, and had gone to confession only to conform with the edicts, but in future he desired to be a Christian and to do whatever the inquisitors might require. He offered no defense in the various stages of his trial, but on July 15th, in consequence of the crowded condition of the secret prison, he was given the city as a prison on furnishing security in 2,000 ducats. Notwithstanding this, he visited Madrid, where, for 7,000 ducats, he purchased for himself and his brothers a pardon from the king. 
the inquisitor general and the suprema and he also exercised important influence in securing the concordia of fifteen seventy one his stay in the capital was prolonged when after an interval of nearly three years the tribunal suddenly revived his case may twenty fifth fifteen seventy one and on june sixth it summoned his bondsmen to produce him within nine days a term extended to twelve days on their protesting that it was notorious that he was in madrid on business with the suprema this action brought from the suprema a curt letter stating that don cosme complained that after compounding his case it had been revived and ordering the tribunal to drop the matter and explain its motives this it did and received from the suprema a second order to do nothing but to send the papers and await instructions subsequently don cosme returned to valencia and exhibited certificates of the pardons for himself and his brothers to juan de rojas then inquisitor who told him to go and ora buena for they were pardoned and the inquisition had nothing further to do with them six years passed away when suddenly without further evidence being sought for on september third fifteen seventy seven the suprema returned to the tribunal the papers in the cases of don cosme and don juan and ordered it to summon them examine them vote on them and report to the suprema for its decision don cosme by that time seems to have been impoverished and was supporting himself by farming the revenues at genoves after some delay he was brought to the prison december twenty fourth and his trial was resumed at first he refused to be examined alleging his pardon but it was elaborately explained to him that it was not intended to interfere with it but to render it operative for which it was necessary for him to abjure his errors and to be reconciled to which end he must make full confession as to himself and his accomplices if he refused it would show that he desired to remain in his old errors under excommunication after some fencing he submitted and described how about the age of twelve his mother had taught him to perform the zala and fast the ramadan and to believe in one god that santa maria was a virgin and holy but not the mother of god that the lord jesus christ was a son of god and prophet of god who had ever spoken the truth and it was a sin not to believe in what he had uttered but that mohammed was also a prophet of god whose utterances were to be believed he had also been taught to commit no murder not to covet his neighbor's daughter and not to bear false witness all of which would seem to indicate that there was developing among the moriscos an intermediate faith which in time would have become christian had opportunity been allowed don cosme further declared that since his first arrest he had always been a christian and desired to live and die in the faith of christ he repeated all the christian prayers accurately both latin and romance and wished that he had been born among christians as it would have been better for him both in body and in soul this went on until february twenty first fifteen seventy eight when he was allowed the city as a prison under bail and on march twenty sixth he was permitted to return home keeping himself subject to summons then fifteen months elapsed until july seventeenth fifteen seventy nine his case was voted upon in discordia requiring its reference to the suprema which october second ordered torture at discretion for don cosme and don juan preliminary audiences however were prescribed in order that they might discharge their consciences and satisfy the evidence especially as to accomplices giving them to understand that this was necessary to enable them to enjoy the pardon of fifteen seventy one under this the trial was resumed but the record ends before the stage of torture was reached and the archivist don julio melagares marin who copied it assumes that the case remained suspended probably either the two brothers had succeeded in raising a sum sufficient to satisfy the suprema or they were recognized as too poor to be worth further prosecution 
from such a case as this it can readily be conceived how efficient an instrument was the inquisition in exciting and perpetuating among the moriscos an abhorrence of the religion opposed upon them by force and scarce known to them save as an excuse for cruelty and exaction to some extent this was recognized by the governing powers after the wise toleration had been discarded which had rendered the mudahares contented subjects the apostasy of the neophytes was the source of grave concern in the spiritual field and their known hostility was the cause of even greater disquiet in the sphere of statesmanship for more than three-quarters of a century it was the subject of a constant series of efforts and experiments alternating between moderation and severity with an efficient and honest administration something might have been accomplished by a consistent policy but vacillation incompetence and greed resulted only in increasing exasperation the story is long and intricate and the barest summary must suffice here to indicate its leading features and the causes of the failure to assimilate the races on which depended the peace and prosperity of spain we have seen the mistaken policy adopted in granada in valencia it was less reasonable in spirit but failed miserably in execution after the germania and the edict of 1525 some futile attempts were made at missionary work among the so-called converts but the situation in 1526 is correctly described by navigero the venetian envoy who says that there was so little care about teaching them priestly gains being the main object that they either were as much moors as before or had no religion of any kind it was self-evident that to christianize a large population scattered over the land for the most part in exclusive communities would require a complete organization of parish churches with schools and all the necessary appliances a basis for this existed in the property of the mosques which clement the seventh in fifteen twenty four had ordered to be converted into churches and in the tithes which were now imposed as a fresh burden upon the converts these were spoils which all who saw a chance for gain hastened to grasp to recompense the lords for the expected loss of tribute from their vassals who were promised to be treated in all things like christians the tithes were made over to them in return for which they were to provide the churches with what was requisite for divine service while the revenues of the mosques were expected to furnish foundations for benefices the patronage of which was given to the lords for this as we have seen the requisite papal authority was procured but the measure was attacked in innumerable suits some of which were carried up to the roman rota with the consequent interminable delays in some fashion two hundred and thirteen mosques were converted into churches in the archbishopric of valencia fourteen in the see of tortosa ten in segorbe and fourteen in orajuela but the object kept in view was the revenues and not the religious training of the moriscos nearly ten years passed away with nothing accomplished a thorough reorganization was seen to be necessary and papal faculties were obtained empowering cardinal manrique to provide persons to instruct the converts to erect and unite churches to appoint and dismiss priests to regulate tithes and to decide summarily all the suits that were expected from archbishops bishops chapters abbeys priests and secular lords thus rendering him and his delegates independent of the bishops who thus far had done nothing under this in fifteen thirty four manrique dispatched commissioners with detailed instructions including provisions to be made for a college to be founded for the instruction of morisco children who should in turn instruct their parents the scheme however though well intended was wrecked on the money question which to the end proved an obstacle frustrating all intelligent work in conversion the revenues of the mosques the tithes and first fruits seemed to disappear 
swallowed up by noble and prelate and although they derived their incomes in great part from the labor of the moriscos it seemed impossible to wring from them what was necessary to support the new establishment in 1544 saint thomas of villanova then archbishop of valencia urged the emperor to place zealous and exemplary rectors in the morisco villages with ample salaries to enable them to distribute alms but it does not seem to have occurred to him that this was part of his duty and that of the church Manrique's commissioners established a hundred and ninety rectories endowed with the beggarly stipend of thirty crowns a year it was impossible to find suitable priests for such livings and the complaint was general that they were for the most part ignorant and depraved creating repulsion rather than attraction to the religion which they assumed to teach many were non-resident and neglected their duties entirely or found vicars at still lower salaries to replace them there was no one to inspect them or keep them in order a pension of two thousand ducats a year had been levied on the archbishopric of valencia to maintain the projected college for morisco youths but two-thirds of this was diverted to support the rectories and the rest was made up from various sources not always adequate for some holders of benefices refused to pay the moderate assessments made on them it was in vain that one effort after another was made to remedy these deficiencies the indifference of the ecclesiastical authorities or their opposition when asked for funds paralyzed every plan devised in fifteen sixty four the cortes of monzon pointed out the failure of all attempts to instruct the converts who were punished for their ignorance and they made some remedial suggestions philip in response assembled a junta under the presidency of valdez the conclusions of which were embodied in a royal cedula this confided the instruction of the moriscos to the bishops in their several dioceses who were to appoint proper persons and keep them under supervision treating the neophytes with the utmost kindness rewarding the good according to their deserts and appointing more prominent among them the familiarships archbishop ayala on his return from this junta called a provincial council but the bishops took no action to carry out the provisions of the cedula contenting themselves with inflicting heavy fines on those who did not have their children baptized at birth in the best clothes that they could afford on alfiques who visited the sick and on secular officials who neglected to denounce moorish observances the pious hope was expressed that by compelling them to attend mass on ash wednesday monday thursday good friday and all saints they might be attracted to christian worship and their salvation was cared for by ordering them on the deathbed to give something for the benefit of their souls in default of which the heirs must at least have three masses sung for them this was the spirit in which the prelates conceived their duties towards those whom clerical pressure had made their spiritual children and to whom they owed great part of their revenues juan de ribera who in fifteen sixty eight succeeded to the archbishopric of valencia was a man of a different stamp he preferred the radical cure of expulsion but so long as the moriscos remained he recognized the duty of laboring for their conversion in fifteen seventy five he held a conference with the bishops of tortosa and orejuela segorba being vacant when it was agreed that the rectoral stipends were inadequate as there were no offerings at the altar which led many to abandon their cures while those who would accept the position were mostly unfitted through ignorance and character it was therefore resolved to increase the stipends to a hundred crowns the king made a contribution and a sum of seven thousand ducats per annum or seven thousand three hundred fifty libras was assessed on the bishops and those who enjoyed the tithes of the moriscos ribera's share of this was thirty six hundred ducats levied on the income of his table which was forty thousand ducats so that the assessment was nine per cent 
the rest fell upon ecclesiastics except a negligible amount to be paid by five laymen a brief of june sixteenth fifteen seventy six was obtained from gregory the eighth confirming this arrangement and ribera punctually paid his portion to the taula or the bank of valencia but the other churchmen were recalcitrant the share of his cathedral chapter was eight hundred libras a year which it not only refused to pay but organized a league to contest the whole measure the procrastinating resources of litigation were limitless and in fifteen ninety seven philip sent to valencia the licentate covarubias to settle the matter if possible for three years he labored and finally induced the chapter to obey the papal brief but on some pretext it refused to abide by the agreement and the litigation continued the chapter of segorbe although its portion was only seventy libras a year threatened to raise a tumult if it was forced to pay and sent its treasurer to rome to work for the revocation of the brief in sixteen o four it procured an inhibition on the execution of the brief but finally in sixteen o six the matter was decided against the chapters by this time their arrearages amounted to a hundred and fifty thousand crowns which philip the third forgave them and for the few remaining years they paid their assessments meanwhile ribera's contribution had gone on accumulating with interest until it amounted to one hundred fifty seven thousand four hundred eighty two libras thirteen shillings eleven pence of this about thirty two thousand libras had been expended on the rectories in sixteen o two sixty thousand were devoted to the college for morisco youths and in sixteen o six thirty one thousand were given to endow a girls college part went for expenses and in sixteen o seven a balance of over thirteen thousand was given to the collegiate seminary of corpus christi which he had founded thus the well-intended plan came to naught like all other attempts through the covetousness and the indifference of those whose duty and interests alike demanded their earnest cooperation what might have been accomplished by zealous christian prelates can be gathered from the experience of feliciano de figueroa bishop of segorbe he had long been ribera's secretary and was thoroughly familiar with the question promoted to the see of segorbe in fifteen ninety nine he writes in sixteen o one that there were twenty morisco villages in his diocese at his own cost he put resident rectors in them with doctrineros or religious teachers and twelve preachers supervising the whole work himself already he reports a notable reformation in the adults while the children manifested affection and readiness to embrace the faith moreover during the past forty years many moorish ceremonies had fallen into disuse again in sixteen o four he describes his continued labors without discouragement although he complains of the obstacles thrown in his way by the secular authorities who aided the alfiques in opposing his efforts this alludes to a serious difficulty which aided in bringing about the catastrophe the lords of morisco vassals were actuated by the most purely selfish motives exploiting their dependents to the utmost they feared that if the latter became christians in fact as well as in name they would be unable to exhort the imposts and tribute which they exacted almost at discretion for the moriscos were helpless and defenseless and the pledges that they should be treated as christians were forgotten the lords therefore discouraged the missionary work and as far as they could protected their vassals against the inquisition when the latter obtained evidence of this interference with conversion it did not hesitate to prosecute the highest nobles in fifteen seventy it condemned don sancho de cardona admiral of aragon to abjure de levi a fine of two thousand ducats and to reclusion in a convent at the pleasure of the suprema reclusion which proved perpetual for he died in the convent of his confinement 
he deserved much more if the testimony was true which asserted that he advised his vassals to appeal to the king to the pope and finally to the grand turk to induce him to threaten to persecute the christians in his dominions if the moriscos were not left in peace and further that he advised them to rise and promised to arm them if they would do so this was not the only case, for in 1571 the master of Montesa and two other nobles appeared in an auto for the same offense, and in 1578 two others were the subjects of investigation. The lords further made themselves obnoxious by seeking to protect their vassals from the ceaseless exactions of the alguaziles set over them to see that they attended mass regularly, and to fine those who did not, or who worked on feast days. These gentry were paid by a half or a third of their collections. Their position was not enviable, threatened as they were, both by lords and the moriscos in the remoter districts, and it was impossible to fill the position with men of fitting character. End of section 44